Dear sports fans, elevate your game to the next level with a Toyota truck. Drive the crowd favorite Tacoma. This versatile playmaker is ready to own the weekend. Choose the tailgating MVP, the Toyota Tundra. This is one vehicle that comes up clutch. Or ride in the adventurous 4Runner, a true champion on and off the road. Whichever truck you choose, you're getting a real winner. Come join the team of champions, Toyota Trucks. Visit Toyota.com to learn more or check out your local Toyota dealership today. Toyota, let's go places. Piper Electric has been a part of the Denver community for over 35 years. Their reputation of being fairly priced, trustworthy, and dependable has allowed them to become one of the best Denver electrical contractor companies in the market. We believe Piper is the best because of their professionalism, because of their capability, because of their integrity, and because of the relationship we have built over the last year and a half with several of their key managers. That was Jim. He's been a customer of Piper Electric for over a year now and loves it so much that he recommends his own clients to them. Sometimes customers will ask us if we know of somebody who can be their regular electrician where they could call for anything from a small job to something much larger, maybe a remodel. And so we certainly have preferred people to Piper and Piper to them. From residential, commercial, and industrial, Piper Electric can handle all of your electrical needs. They've done actually everything from repairing a small wiring situation with a circuit breaker panel to adding additional circuits, adding parking lighting. So really, they have become a one-stop shop for all of our needs. If you call today and use the promo code BSN, you will get $25 off your next service call. That's 303-646-6765 or go to piperelectric.com. Hey everybody, welcome to the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. Before we jump into the show, I want to tell you about this really awesome deal for BSN listeners. If you didn't know by now, Total Beverage is delivering beer, wine, and liquor anywhere in the North Metro area from Wheat Ridge to Erie. For a limited time, Total Beverage is offering $10 off a $50 purchase on their website and app. Use promo code BSN10 to save $10 off a $50 purchase for all your parties and have it delivered straight to your door. Let's jump into the show. Welcome into another episode of the BSN Avalanche Podcast presented by Total Beverage. I'm your host, AJ Hayfley, alongside Nathan Rudolph. Nathan, it's summertime now, yeah? Yeah, I, I would call it summer. Okay, so let's, uh, you know, let's let's start off the show with a pool party. <laughs> get it? I get it. I get Nailed it. it. We're going to talk today about Edmonton Oilers winger Jesse Puliyarvi and the peculiar situation that he finds himself in as he is an RFA this summer coming off of hip surgery. Uh, what do you make of all this? Well, I like that idea about as much as I like real pool parties, which is to say not very much at all. Pool parties as an adult are just awkward. They are. I, I always, I've never been a good swimmer either. So just pools are not for me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just, just in general, it's just not your thing. It's not. Like, I did lessons as a kid and, like, I can swim. <laughs> I won't drown, but, like, I'm not having drown. a good time in the pool. <laughs> won't drown. Uh, yeah. You know, I didn't like pool parties as a kid either. They were just sort of awkward. Yeah. Because, I mean, like, what do you do in a pool? Like, you kind of just get in and you're like, all right, I'm in the pool. And then you just, like, beat each other with noodles. And yeah. that was that was really the extent of what we did. <laughs> that sounds about right. And then you pee in the pool. And that's it. See, and why is it got to be white? Damn it, man. 
nasty. We went there in no time. <laughs> That's why I don't like pool parties. It's just, it's part of the thing. All right. Well, I mean, I would assume as adults, though, that that probably goes away. I guess how old of an adult once you get to be like grandparent level. Okay. Well, I'm, I mean, like the ginormous gap between yeah, there's like forty years there. I guess losing <laughs> control of your facilities. <laughs> there's a really big gap in between those two that I think we could probably focus on. It's fair. It's fair. I mean, how it about, doesn't always have to be about peeing in the pool, man. I can get behind like a hot tub party. How about that? A hot tub, so like just like chilling in a hot tub with yeah, with some booze, relaxing, having a drink, exactly. Bull funning. <laughs> All right, okay. I guess I could. Uh, okay, and hope. And uh, so you're not worried about people peeing in the hot tub, but you're worried about them peeing in the pool. Well, I mean, I'm sure they're peeing in the hot tub too, but at least it's more comfortable. Okay. <laughs> All right. This is off to a weird start. <laughs> well, if we go get Jesse Pool Juyardi, that might feel like someone peed in my pool. So, Gross. fairly accurate. All right. Well, let's uh, let's move away from urination <laughs> and focus more on let's let's get into you know what's what's gone wrong here for Pool Juyardi in Edmonton. Well, I mean, I think it went wrong from the second Columbus decided not to take him at 3A. Yeah, it definitely kickstarted a series of events that has not been fortuitous for him. But, yeah, I'm not sure. Edmonton just hasn't seemed to be able to get what they wanted out of him at the NHL level. It's not like every time they send him to the AHL, he puts up good numbers. He, he shows that he has some talent, and then it's just not translating. Yeah, I mean, if you look at his entire career, uh, it's full of numbers. Uh, even the year before his draft year, uh, he uh, put up 11 points in 21 games for a pretty good Carpot team in the Liga. And then his actual draft year came along, and he had a 28-point season in 50 games. He put up 17 points at the World Juniors, which is like insane. Right. Like he had a he had one of the best draft seasons of any prospect that we've seen in recent years. He was he was phenomenal his draft year. And we you know, it was that was Austin Matthews, uh Patrick Line, and then Puglia Yarvi was widely considered the third horse in the in a three a three-horse draft, and then Dubois crashes the party because Columbus absolutely needed a center. Yep. And Edmonton ends up with Puliarvi falling right into their laps, and I thought, oh my god, this guy's going to go play next to Connor McDavid (laughs) on his right side, and these guys are just going to (laughs) destroy. It has not gone that way. Uh, He only has... Now, three NHL seasons, uh, he only has 139 games played as he has shuttled back and forth between the NHL and the AHL. And he just keeps splitting time there. Yeah. Like, it, what is Edmonton doing here? What What in the world are they doing? Honestly, I don't know. It They've been an organization that 
for a long time now have struggled with guys like this, where if they're not just immediately ready to jump into the NHL, they don't seem very capable of getting them to where they need to be. And, and Puliyarvi just falls into a long line of these guys that now their whole career is in jeopardy because of this. I look at this and I can't help but see Mikhail Grigorenko in Buffalo. Yeah. Um, Grigo definitely was rushed a little bit, and that's fair to say of Puyo Yarvi as well. I don't mind the idea of trying to accelerate a player into the NHL as long as you're willing to move him around once it doesn't work, which it seemed like Edmonton was. They just, again, aren't able to get him what he needs to to be ready for the NHL. I'm just... When he was drafted, Puliyarvi felt like the perfect fit for Edmonton. Yeah, he did. Yeah, they You thought they were getting a, a great goal scorer to put next to McDavid. and A powerful right winger, six foot yeah. four, 200 pounds, uh, who's a very, very good skater and has really good speed in his own right. It, it, it seemed like a perfect fit. It really did. I mean, I just, I can't imagine how this hasn't worked. Yeah, I, you know, it, it's hard to break down exactly where it is, but it certainly isn't getting any better either, especially with the injuries now. And I mean, multiple hip surgery at right, 21? Yeah. That's like, that is brutal for a hockey player to go through and you know if his career in Edmonton wasn't done before that it's just tough to tough to see that continue I doubt he's enjoying himself in that organization I doubt Edmonton is enjoying what they're getting out of him it it doesn't seem like a situation that anybody is winning in it doesn't, and uh, that would normally be a great segue into let's talk about moving him. <laughs> but that's what we have a second segment for. Yeah, right. So I still want to focus here on the Oilers, and and yeah, is this is it to the point now where they're almost stuck with each other? Because you're talking about a guy that is his ELC is over. He's coming off double hip surgery. Uh, he has not established himself as any kind of quality NHL player. He almost looks downright lost, but you're three years after his draft year. You, I mean, is it, is it really as simple as he just needs to play an entire season in the AHL, rip it up, do whatever. Is there anything left for him to learn at the AHL level? That's a tough one. Uh, he doesn't really have that much AHL experience. He has just over 50 games down there. So I do think there are things that he can learn from playing in the AHL. I don't know how much better that's going to make him. You know, he playing against slower competition that isn't of the same quality as the NHL isn't really going to make him make decisions at NHL speed. So, well, then... Three AHL stints in his three years. Uh, 
28 points in 39 games his first time, five points in 10 games his second time, and four points in four games this past season. Right. He he's already proven he's he's perfectly capable of of scoring at the AHL level. Yeah. So he's that good. It's just a question of where does that go at the NHL level? Is it just the game is that much faster and he can't do the things he's used to doing? Or is there something else going on there in, in Edmonton that if he, you get him a little bit more help, then maybe something looks better? And obviously, it's hard to get him more help than playing against McDavid, but he didn't actually play with him that much. Right, but you also have that, that situation where the a guy is playing so poorly. Yeah. How can you? How right. can you how can you put him in the most plum role on the team? Pretty unjustifiable for sure. Right. Like it's 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 sort of what we've been talking about with um the Tyson Joe situation where yeah. you know, oh well his production is bad because he's not playing with uh guys who can really score, but you can't put him next to those guys because when he's been next to him, he hasn't played well enough to 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 justify keeping him there. Yeah, it's definitely a fair point that he hasn't really earned much of anything at the NHL level yet. And that's a big problem when you're when you've been drafted fourth overall and and you already have well over 100 NHL games under your belt. And Tyson Jost is is a player that the Avs are very skeptical of, at least the Avs fan base is very skeptical of exactly how much he's providing and and he's done significantly more than pool pool jarvi has absolutely i mean he's got he's got back-to-back jost has back-to-back 20 point seasons and at the very 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 least he has proven he is a third or fourth line center on a on a playoff team yeah exactly i agree with that and and, and- Pooley Yarvey, I'm looking it up here, and Pooley Yarvey's most common uh, line mate last year was Ryan Nugent Hopkins. So it's not, well, he's not sitting next to Connor McDavid. That's still talent. <laughs> right, like this is not a scrub treatment here. Yeah. You know, this is, that's a, Nugent Hopkins is a guy that was drafted first overall just a few years ago, and he had a 69-point season last year. Nice. So. You know, like this, they yeah. still put him in a position to succeed. You got to be able to produce there, right? And it just hasn't worked. It it hasn't. And but are they stuck together at this point? Because he's he hasn't proven anything, and the potential on him and his age make it so that it feels like if they move on from him right now, there's a chance. There's a decent chance. One, they don't get meaningful value in return. And two, he could he could figure it out. The light bulb comes on elsewhere, and they look they they look real bad yet again in another trade. Are they stuck with him? I don't think so. Are they going to get value for him? Almost certainly not. I I don't see how you could possibly get fourth overall pick level value out of him right now, and because he just doesn't look even close to one. And I. I would be very afraid of using him as the main piece in a trade. I think you'd be looking at more of a secondary piece, not unlike how Grigorenko was was thrown in as part of the O'Reilly trade for the Avs. 
Well, and Buffalo had said that they were going to put Grigo on waivers. Right, exactly. That's, I mean, what? you're, if Pool Yarvi, I still can't say his last name, uh, was waiver eligible, I, <laughs> Edmonton would have some real hard decisions to make. I'd be curious how many teams would put in a claim on him because I'd be willing to bet it's probably like 25. Oh, yeah. I'm sure a lot of teams would claim him, but. And and you're right. Maybe Edmonton would regret getting rid of him in the idea that he figures it out wherever he goes. But right mm. now, I don't see him figuring it out in Edmonton. From the Oilers' perspective, is that something they should be concerned about? Is another the optics of losing another high-profile trade, or should they just do what they think is best for the team and move on and deal with whatever happens from there? Yeah, I I think. Losing the trade is more of a symptom than than a bad result. You you need to be worried about your development system and and why you you're ending up in these situations where you have to make moves like this and preventing it before you have to. I think it's interesting when you look at him because it seems like. Edmonton doesn't know how to develop a guy. Yeah, they really don't. It doesn't look like that from the outside, at least. Um, because last year, uh, you know, they they had Kyler Yamamoto mm-hmm. and they gave him nine NHL games. And it just and then this last year, he got 17 NHL games and then only played 27 AHL games. And it's like kind of another lost year for a prospect development wise here. Is it, it, it seems like their, their approach to development is I'm going to put you in the NHL and if you play really well, then you'll stay. Uh, but if you don't, then we're going to send you down to the AHL and then we're going to, we're going to not be patient at all with you down there. We're going to call you back up as soon as we can. Yeah. It's where's plan B. It seems like if yeah. you're not ready to stick in the NHL immediately, it, they just, don't seem to know what to do. And the Avs struggled with this with Jost a little bit, but you saw even then they were willing to send Jost down seemingly begrudgingly. Well, and they, I mean, they even gave Jost a full year right. at, at Nodak before they started. And obviously him going to college meant they can't mess around with any nine game trial, which they, you remember they did last year. Again, they drafted Evan Bouchard and gave him seven NHL games. And then we're like, I right, go down there. And then yeah. he finished up the year in the AHL. Yeah, and unfortunately, he helped knock out the Eagles in the playoffs. Even yeah, and but, like had a great AHL, uh, po- had a great postseason uh, for the Condors. But it just seems like you know we talk a lot about Colorado's failures to develop, but I, I mean, looking at how Edmonton has chosen to go about this in recent years, this is a disaster, man. Yeah. It, I'm not admittedly a fan of the way Colorado develops players. I think they're in the bottom third of the league. There's a ton to be upset about. There's a ton of, of questionable decisions that go on there, but it doesn't, to me, it doesn't look like, Oh, we're just going to put them in the NHL and we'll just see how they do. I, as much as I dislike about the Av system, Edmonton's is significantly worse and more problematic. Is this, I mean, realistic, like, it's weird because, like, Bakersfield is a really good team. 
They are, but a, a good AHL team does not necessarily make development. It's right. Exactly. There's, there's a lot of factors that go into that besides just being good. I guess I'm tying uh, to tie all this back in before we go to our first break here. How much of Puliyarvi's struggle do you struggles do you put on Edmonton, and how much do you put on Puliyarvi? Uh, I'd probably put it about fifty fifty. You think uh, so? I I do. I I'm not a fan of what Edmonton's done with him. I think they could have done a lot to help him get to where he needs to be, but especially with things swirling around the fact that Yarmo uh, in Columbus, a guy who is Finnish, can speak to him in Finnish, actively decided to skip him, even if they needed a center. It it speaks to where his game is and, and a bit of how teams may have expected him to translate his game, and it's been slow for him. He hasn't taken the steps by himself that regardless of situation you would expect a fourth overall pick to take. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, okay. I, as promised, that was my last question before, uh, before taking our first break. So let's do that now. Uh, before we do that, as Edmonton looks for uh Puglia Yarby to change his game, I am going to introduce you guys to some game changing coffee. Strava Craft Coffee is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible. Make sure that you check them out. The CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It has helped decrease anxiety. You name it. CBD is all natural and not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty, and we couldn't recommend it more to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use promo code BSN2019 at checkout. And you'll get it straight shipped straight to your door. That's the end of segment number one here. This is the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. We will be right back on the other side. Talk about a little bit more about Jesse Pugliarvi and uh, what what a deal for him might look like. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back in second segment here. The BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. Nathan, anytime we talk about trading former top five picks gets into very iffy territory. Uh, We have seen it happen recently with the Edmonton Oilers, even when they traded Nail Yakupov uh, to the St. Louis blues. Yeah. That are they already there with Pooley RV? I think so. It's it's hard for me to see anything beneficial for either side coming out of, of where that's headed for them. Mm-hmm. Pool party's clearly not going to be happy there, continuing to split time in the AHL. Edmonton is already not getting what they want out of the player, and they don't seem to have a path into getting what they want out of him. So it's tough for me to see that developing into what they had hoped it would be. Going back to Yakupov, just to to look here, uh, they moved Yakupov after his fourth season. Yeah. Uh, And this is after the third season for Puliyarvi. 
they got a, an ECHL superstar and a conditional third round pick in yep. exchange for Yakupov. Is that the kind of price tag that you would expect for Puliyarvi? That is not far off. I, I think if I'm Edmonton, what I try and do is I drop him in the NHL at the start of the next season. Hope he scores like a couple of points early and just say, look, he's good. Someone take him. Counter argument would be, why would a team do that? Right. Like, why, would it, why would a team be like, oh, well, we could just wait two weeks and see if he's actually good. And right, and, and that's perfectly fair. No one may end up at, biting on that hook, but at this point, I mean, their their best hope would be they get a good month out of Puliu Yarvi. Somebody suffers a devastating injury, like Corey Perry uh, with the Ducks last year, right off the hop. Yeah, you know, and a team gets desperate, and then maybe, and e- all of that is just to re- try and recoup some value here yeah. to avoid. Because I think if they wanted to today. They could trade him for a, a like a Yakupov style haul, where yeah. they get they get a you know they get a, a third round pick, and uh, I, I don't want to sound offensive when I say this, but kind of a nothing prospect. Yeah, I, I like, agree. Not a significant prospect. Not, not a guy that you think NHL has NHL impact. future. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think they could. It's also why I think he shouldn't be the key piece in the trade that he's involved in. He's something that you can bring to a team in another larger trade and be like, look, here's another piece that we can give you that has higher potential than he's shown so far. He's going to be an NHLer, even if it's not a quality one, he will function in the NHL. And it's something that we can add on to get a bigger piece done. This is a guy that had 12 goals two years ago. Yeah. He had a 20 point season. That's not great, but it's functional. Yeah. And, and I mean, in 65 games played, I mean, you look at who was on Colorado's fourth line last year, you know, Gabe Bork had what, like four points last year, five points last year. I'd much rather traded for pool party than Derek Broussard. We'll put it that way. Yeah. I mean, if it's, we're talking about a third round pick is the cost. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like that's, that's a great point. Honestly. Um, Do you. Is this is this a way that they because they one of the things about Edmonton that's uh, interesting about their situation is they have no cap space. Yeah, that uh, they've that got nine million dollars of cap space and they still have guys to sign. They have nine signed forwards uh, and they don't have a backup goaltender to Miko Koskinen, who is a backup goaltender. Himself. Yeah, that the Koskinen deal, Lucic <laughs> deal. Yeah. Is this then? This is what I'm getting at. Is this a way for them? Could they package Puli Yarvi and the way that they try and extract value in a trade is uh, attaching him next to a cap dump like a Milan Lucic and send him to say uh, Vancouver, who they get they they get a high end prospect theoretically anyway in Puli Yarvi, and then they can just eat the money for Lucic. Yeah, I I don't know how much value you're getting there, but I think you're definitely if you're Edmonton, you're helping yourself if you, if you're tying pool party in with with a Lucic or something like that. Because like, hey, you're not we're talking about getting getting a third round pick in return, you know. But if you're able to dump money at the same time, then that at least opens up avenues for you to get better. If you're gonna burn the Puli Yarvi asset itself and say, okay, well, we're not gonna get any value out of this, we just need to move on. 
We just need to cut our losses. And, you know, this is the, the, the sunken cost fallacy is, is in very much in play here. Yeah, I, I agree for sure. It's so would the smartest play for them to be to try to entice a team to take one of these contracts uh, off their hands, you know, maybe an Andre Sakara or a Milan Lucic, you know, somebody that, that opens up money for them because, you know, maybe, maybe a Chris Russell, although he inexplicably uh, has trade protection. Yeah. And they seem to love Russell down there. At least the front office did before Holland, but um, we'll see. I, I think if that's what it takes to move Lucic, they should absolutely be all over it. They need to free themselves of that because that's just horrifying contract. But one, I mean, it's not even the only. Obviously, that's the worst. That's the eyesore. Yeah, on their cap sheet. But I mean, you're also looking at uh, you know Sakara for two more years of five point five million. He's thirty three years old, and he's already been an injury riddled mess too. Yeah, so, he's been he's sort of been in and out. You know, they for have, them. Uh, Chris Russell just meant he's 32 years old, $4 million a year for the next two years. And Chris Russell has been uh, just a disaster. Yeah. It's one of, one of the big, he's one of the guys that has been caught in the crosshairs the most of the old school versus the analytics guys. Yeah. Uh, Cause yeah. old school guys love, he blocks a ton of shots, uh, sacrifices the body, great teammate, high intangible, high character guy uh analytics show that this is a guy that absolutely gets caved in on a regular basis and is one of the worst shot differential defensemen in the nhl and is a great example of why blocking shots is overrated so he's one of those guys that's kind of caught in the middle of that but regardless of how you feel in that in that war he's paid too much money and his role is too insignificant uh for for what he's getting paid to do and it's hurting them it's actively hurting them because they cannot go out and get any kind of meaningful improvements with him weighing them down. Yeah, it's it's definitely a problem. It actually it kind of feels like the Avs did four five years ago uh, to the extreme, where the Avs would go out and, and sign all these got older players to too expensive of a contract for too long. And you ended up with three years of a Ginla. You ended up with three years of a Boschman or a Brad Stewart. Mm-hmm. And you just end up with mostly what end, what is dead cap. It, yep. And the Edmonton took that and said, instead of giving those, these guys three years, what if we give them six? Well, and to be fair with Sakara, uh, that was a guy that helped them in their playoff run and then got hurt. And he's been hurt the last two seasons. Uh, and so that I think that's more like bad luck than bad contract, sure. but it definitely drives home the fact that you have two more years of that guy at 33 years old. It drives home why you have to be careful giving out seven year deals in free agency. Exactly. And if you had one Sakara that gets hurt, you say, OK, that's not the end of the world. We right. Can no, that's it. just bad luck. Yeah. But when you have a Sakara and a Lucic and a Russell. <laughs> right. And I mean, Milan Lucic, his first year, you know, 50 points, 23 goals, very much in line with the career that he had put up to that point. And then these last two seasons, he's missed three games and he's scored 16 goals combined and 54 points combined. Uh, that's a contract. I mean, that's that's onerous, downright onerous. Yeah, it's it's a terrible one. And it's not only that. The, the other difference they have from the Avs is 
the Evs have never, I mean, I guess this off season, they're signing Ranton into a big deal, but before mm-hmm. that they were never in this big hole of, of spending a ton for their top players. Right. And, and Edmonton has $21 million tied up in their top two players, which don't get me wrong. They deserve every penny of that, but it, yeah. it gives a lot less room to just go out and have a guy like Lucic sitting around at 6 million. Yeah. You've got to get it right when you're spending that much money on your top guys. And again, those, those top guys combined for 221 points this year. Yeah. So definitely worth it. <laughs> worth. <laughs> If you're going to spend $20 million on some guys, getting 200 points is exa- exactly what you're envisioning out of it. Yeah, I, I, I'm fully with you there. They they earn their dollars, but it it shortens the leash on Edmonton's yeah. front office and what right. else you can do. You can't make mistakes. You know, yeah. $6 million for Ryan Nugent Hopkins to give you 69 points, perfectly reasonable. But yeah. it's all this other stuff, and especially their defense. They have a $26 million defense that's absolutely awful. Yeah, it's even Clefbaum has not quite gotten to where they wanted him right? to be. Right. I mean, Clefbaum had that great year a couple of years ago when they when they had that playoff run. Um a big breakout year for him and then he has battled again, battled injuries ever since. That's the only time he's ever played 82 games in a season and they paid him, they got him on a long-term deal after that and it wasn't it's not an overly expensive one. And that's that's kind of the thing, though, is that none of their deals are on their own, very very expensive. You right. know, if you like you said, if you had one Lucic, you'd be fine at six million. If you had one Sakara at five point five, with just two years left, you could live with that. But it's the combination of them. Then a Clef Bomb, another four million. Then Adam Larson, another four million. Chris Russell, another four million. Like you, if you're gonna be paying that much money for your defense, you need to be getting real meaningful uh, contributions out of those guys. And then it just keeps going. I mean, Brandon Manning, Matt Benning, and and uh, Joel Person, are, you're talking about they've got like $5 million wrapped up in those three guys. Yeah. It, you can't do that at the bottom of your defense. They don't have a single player that's a – roster regular currently signed for less than a million dollars and that's i mean that right there i guess we could have started the segment with that high-fived each other and moved on to the third segment (laughs) yeah because that's insane and like they've got guys on the way you know yamamoto uh i do like cooper uh cooper merity i i've liked him in the ushl and he's a good young guy but like a depth guy tyler benson ryan mcleod um Kirill Maximov, I like a lot of these. I've, I've liked their draft work the last couple of years. Um, Evan Bouchard, Ryan Mantha, but this uh, brings, Ethan this, Bear. Like, but these guys need to start breaking into the NHL. Yeah. It, it brings us back to our, our first segment point of it's time. You desperately need to develop these guys and right. get them into NHL players. Right. Like you need to find a way you need to cut bait with as many of these guys as they can. If they have to buy out six dudes, they should do it. And just get all these ELCs up there uh, that they that that are like decent young players, get them in there and see how this goes. Because yeah. it's like these guys, a lot of these guys have an, a year in the AHL under their belt. You know, let if you want to if you want to let some of these other kids, you know, like a Bouchard, maybe maybe marinate for a little bit longer. That's perfectly fair. 
But some of these guys that have been down there, like you need to start moving them. And that's that's yeah. where I think, you know, you get back into the Pooley RV conversation. Like Tyler Benson is a point per game player in the AHL this last For year. Sure. That's a dude that needs to be on their NHL roster immediately uh, while he's still on an ELC. Instead of, oh, like Alex Chason had a nice year for you. Why pay him? Let him go. (laughs) Yeah. Let him go. I agree with you there 100%. I mean, that's they've had arguably the best player in the league for the past four years, and they've only made the playoffs once with that. And, I mean, let's be real here, man. They haven't come particularly close the last two seasons. No, not not even a little bit close. They're a bottom five team, basically. <laughs> they got they got back-to-back 40-goal seasons and 100-point seasons out of arguably the best player in the game and have not come close to the playoffs the last couple of years. I colossal mismanagement, and this was not necessarily intended to be all about Edmonton and how much they suck. Uh, this was more just more just about <laughs> it's more about Puli Yarvi and and how he is sort of the poster child of everything wrong with Edmonton. Yeah, they've I, got a world class McDavid and Drysaddle is arguably as good a twosome as there is in the NHL in the entire NHL. I mean, they're, they're they're both coming off hundred point seasons. Right, it, it's hard to argue against that as as a tandem. Maybe you could say Stamkos and Kucherov or something. But well, and and then you know McKinnon and Rantanen are going to be in that conversation. Sure. But you're talking about teams that have gone to the postseason. They right. have, have won games. It's it's translated into something of meaning, uh, and that's because there was talent behind them. You know, as much as it's like, oh, the Avs are a one-line team, not not really. Um, obviously, they they're driven by one line, but you know, they're a top ten scoring team in both the regular season and the postseason. You don't do that on the back of just one line. Yeah, I mean, the Avs had five or six ten goal scorers this year, right? Uh, something like that. Yeah, I mean. Jeez, and and they had a it? number, I, maybe it's more, but they had a number of guys that had like nine, eight, seven. Here's Edmonton's point totals from last year. McDavid, it, yeah, 116. Dreisaitl, oh, they had 10. That's right. So yeah, they had a ton. McDavid, 116 points. Dreisaitl, 105. Nugent Hopkins, a big drop off to 69, but that's okay. Darnell Nurse, a big drop off to 41. That's okay. Chase on with 38, a nice resurgence for him. You're happy with that. After that, the next player is Clefbaum, a defenseman at 28. They and then just, was, is there like a depth of 20 point guys or is it just, does no, it continue to there's, drop? A, there's a couple more 20 point guys in Cassian Lucic at exactly 20 and Larson at exactly 20. <sighs> That's so a, they don't even have, I guess that is exactly 10, 20 point or more guys. And the abs have that many 10 goal scorers. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's, there's just no depth at all on that team. It, it falls off immediately. They barely have enough players that score at a top line level, let alone a second line level. The abs for the record had 13 guys with at least 20 points. 
So yeah, it's it, it's and well. Sans injury could have had uh, a handful more. Right. It it's it's so outside of like the very very depth of their roster. They have a bunch of players that are capable of scoring for them. For the abs, we would like more players that can score at a second line level. Right. You want but, more. You want you want two or three of those fifty to sixty point guys, right? To, and, to but, kind of buffer and help out. And Edmonton has none of those, right? <laughs> it's like Nugent Hopkins is like yeah. their Landeskog, and then there's a gigantic gap. And from then there. they're playing a bunch of third liners on their second line, right? Because I mean, the Abs, for as much as it's like, oh, the Abs, you know, they need this and that. They had six guys with more than forty points last year. Yeah, they. It was one of the most productive years they've had in in a long time, as far as up and down the roster goes. Yeah, and obviously you always want to improve that, but the Edmonton has a lot more room for improvement on that front. <laughs> they definitely do, man, and and I think that's you know trying to to get get us back to where we started here. Yeah, to, this uh, was which, supposed to be pool party, <laughs> right? Like he was supposed to be a key factor in them taking a step forward. Uh, and and providing them with, and it's not it's not hard to see what they were thinking here. Milan Lucic, a big physical guy that could give you fifty points a year and twenty five goals a year, and then Puliyarvi, another big physical, another big body that can that can score. It's got a lot of skill, and you combine that kind of size. You know, Drysaitel is certainly not a small man uh, at six foot two, two hundred and ten pounds. So. You know, they they were building a really nice combination of size and speed. And then it just sort of blew up in their face. Yeah, none of the none of the young future was ready. And and you end up with a bunch of old guys that unfortunately, a lot of them ended up falling apart to injury for them. And you just have the lacking depth once the players that fell off the table for them did there there wasn't anyone ready to replace them all right let's take our second break yeah yep and we'll come back on the other side and we will talk about how the avalanche fit into all this (laughs) because this is an avalanche show and if we aren't making things about the avalanche we are doing it right and you dear listener, are not doing it right. If you have not checked out the Green Solution, which has 17 Colorado locations and an express checkout to get you in and out as fast as possible, get on your phone right now, go to their website, mygreensolution.com, order your flour, concentrates, edibles, and topicals online and head to the closest Green Solution for pickup. Use promo code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. And that does it for segment number two here of the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. We will be right back. Welcome in third and final segment here of the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. We are talking primarily about Jesse Pugliarvi today. We've gone through two segments and have only sort of brought up the Avalanche and kind of how they fit into this whole puzzle. Let's focus on them now, and let's be honest here. Right wing, not a great position for Colorado right now. Yeah. But but is one that you feel better about a little bit long term. 
You do. There's because, the Avs already have a couple options in the pipeline here. Right. Between uh Martin Kaut. Yep. Um, I mean so Ranton and you've got there. Obviously. J- JT Comfer you've got there that you're that you're comfortable with running it back if you need to with him. Yep. Uh and then and then you get into Kaut. Yeah, then you have Kaut, you have potential free agency options. Right. It's the Avs have plenty of avenues to solve that problem with something to certainly address it. Yeah. If they wanted to. Uh and then I mean Kerfoot has played both sides. Sure. So I guess if need be you could toss him on the right side as well. Um we saw that at times with Landeskog on the left, McKinnon in the center and Kerfoot as the right wing there. Yep. So different different things that they can do to to put guys there. But Puli Yarvi is like granted it. A, a right wing like that's what he Solid, plays yeah that's that's what he's been that's the position he's been playing for years he is a right wing yeah he's he's not one that's been moved around much and and that's where especially given what he's been through so far i don't think you want to mess with moving him around until you get something solid out of him yeah he uh there's just there's no upside in in trying to tinker with position as well as everything else going yeah, on with him. Exactly. So if the Avalanche were interested, is there a way that you could foresee that they could make that work, where they could find a home for him? Because this is, I mean, this is definitely one of those upside plays that we have seen them make time and time again. How many, you know, I mean, Brandon Gormley, you know, Nail Yakupov. How many, you know, Eric Jelena. How many, how many top picks? Uh, high prospects, you know, that were, that were highly sought after at one point have landed in Colorado and it been kind of like, okay, well let's, let's play reclamation project here. Yeah. It, the abs used to be in a situation where they could do that and it, it was fine. You could, you could throw yeah. a guy like that in your bottom six or your bottom pairing or whatever and say, look, you don't have any pressure here. Go out mm-hmm. and, and just be the best player you can be. And if you make something of it, great. Be and, all you can be. And that worked with some players. It worked for a while with Barbario. It worked with Nieto, for sure. Uh, obviously not quite the same high caliber of player. and didn't work no. with guys like Yakupov. But they were given I the mean, opportunity. It, and You know, Nemeth. Yeah, Nemeth is another good one. That was, I mean, Patrick Nemeth was a second-round pick. Uh, Matt Nieto was a second-round pick. So they, those guys were solid reclamation projects. Yeah, so it, it can work. Sven Intergetto, second-round pick. Right. It, it's just the abs are no longer in a situation where they can afford to go out and get those guys and have it not work. Well, and, and they don't have the ice time anymore. They don't have the roles. Right. Exactly. It's for those what, guys. You know, that's why be, Patrick Nemeth is moving on. That's why yeah. San Andrew is moving on is because you, you looked at, we expect Andrew to move on. I should say, I, don't see how he stays but that's a um, topic yeah it's yeah it's it's to the point where it's like hey like the talent on the roster they you know between going out and getting some guys you know getting a, a, a Soderberg and a Calvert and a Kamenev and you know some of these other guys like it it improved the talent around them to the point where it's like well we don't need to take a chance on these guys Right, exactly. We've got other guys that are that are up and coming. You know, no, we're talking about just the right wing spot here. Uh, you know, Nick Henry is down there. Logan O'Connor is down there. 
for the for the Eagles, where you're you're feeling like you've got maybe some help at that position. Right. It's if you're going for pool party, I, I think there's two things you have to factor in if you're the Avs. Number one, what are you projecting him to be? I don't think you can go out and say, we're getting this guy to put him in our top six. I, I don't think you can project him as that right now. You yeah. can't really expect him to be anything more than a third liner. And, and this is this is an important part of the conversation. What are you going to do to help him that Edmonton has not done themselves? Right, exactly. It's I'm not sure what the Avs can bring him that he hasn't already attempted. It's certainly because they're not giving him that role. Right. They, I mean, Yakupov's a great example because he, a couple of stops in between, but came from Edmonton as well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, obviously he had his own problems, but, but he didn't get to where he needed to be. And and the abs didn't change anything for him as far as that is regarded. So why I, what would the abs think that they can do for him? that Edmonton can't, I guess would be the question. And that's, I mean, for me, man, that's, that's perfectly fair. Like what, what would they be doing? Um, and, and price wise, what are you comfortable giving up to, to get this guy? Oh man, that's, that's because that's, oh, that's another important part of the conversation that that has to be had is what are, what are you moving uh, to take a chance on him because this is not a long term chance. Nope. This would be he's got one year to prove it in Colorado, and then you're talking about not even giving him a qualifying offer next summer if it doesn't work out. Yeah. So you don't you don't want to take a big chance on him, right? I, I even like a third round pick. I'd it would give me some pause for sure. And. That's I would assume Edmonton would would not be interested in in anything less than that. But it's it's a really tough situation because the other part of it is, let's say you actually do want him and you go out and get him to play on your third line. You already mentioned some of our prospects down there, but particularly a guy like A.J. Greer. And I, I know Greer plays the left side, but they have a number of guys that can move left and right in their bottom six already. Mm -hmm. So you can flip those guys around for, to fit a Greer or to fit a pool party on the other side. It's, but what stops pool party from just being in the way of someone else that can do the same thing? Right. I, that's, that's where I run into the problem is what are you making it work, giving him a role that, uh, helps him that that allows him to take a step forward because otherwise you're just recreating the problem yeah and that's you know the the whole fresh start thing is like one of the biggest i feel like myths in the nhl yeah I'm not because if you're gonna give a guy a quote-unquote fresh start you need to you need to approach the situation in a different way you need to give him a role in which he can be comfortable with something that he can excel in you know, Matt Nieto was a great example. They brought him in. They dropped him on the second line next to Matt Duchesne. And it was like, all right, they don't have the bodies right now. So you could justify this. But as soon as they got him, it was like, all right, we need him. We need him to go back and play a different role. He was able to get a fresh start here. And 
they they did a good job getting a quality player out of him. Now, granted, he was not the greatest example in the world because he was just a victim of too talented of a team. Yeah, not so much his own, you know, his own deficiencies. They I, just got into a roster crunch, and he just ended up being the odd man out. I like the idea of the word a fresh start. I, I think a player can get a fresh start with a different team in the right position. The right. phrase that I don't like is a change of scenery. Just because you move to a different team in a different city, if you're playing the same role, nothing's going to change. Well, it's like uh, it's like when you're watching Scooby-Doo. Yeah, exactly. They're still running in place. <laughs> the background just repeats, but if you just switch it over... You know, you go from the forest to inside the haunted house that they're investigating. They're still running in place. They're doing the same thing. It's just in a different location. That's not helpful. You you pull off the abs jersey and it's still the same player underneath. Uh, those darn <laughs> kids. <laughs> I feel like that's what Fedor Tutin was saying in his one year here. <laughs> those, those darn kids. Ooh, I don't. I think he probably blocked out most of his time here. I would have. <laughs> I would have. Yeah, he uh, he's still pretty friendly when uh, he comes back to scout games for the Blue Jackets. Yeah, yeah, he's very friendly, and I say hi to him. Hello, Fedor. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure he's a good guy. I'm sure almost everyone is, but. But as far as pool parties concerned, I don't. I just don't see a deal where the Avs go for him straight up. Uh, we've kind of mentioned it in, in the previous sections where mm-hmm. if you throw him into something else, okay, I, I can see him as an add-on somewhere, maybe. And that's what we're going to touch upon here as our last topic of the day. If there's a long rumored deal here between Edmonton and Colorado, uh, Colorado has not wanted to give up Tyson Berry for Ryan Nugent Hopkins. If Jesse Pooley-Yarvey came attached to Nugent Hopkins, is that enough of a sweetener on his own to, to, to level that deal out? Boy, if it's that alone, I'm, I'm not sure that it is. It's, got to be pretty close at least yeah i don't think you're far off especially now that we're we're heading into the last year of barry's contract yeah and rnh only has two years remaining so it's not like there's a ton of security there right so you know there's a there's a lot of moving pieces as far as that's concerned and and if the abs are it's clear to them that barry is not coming back then then i think a deal like that at least for the abs side could could come into play but again, I I think pool party in that trade is a plus. I think it would help the Avs. But do they already have enough of that stuff? Do they really need another third liner, maybe type guy? I just I struggle even in that case to see it. Yeah, it feels like getting uh, the sexy name just for the sake of it, right? Um. Whereas you could be getting somebody that might actually be able to help you. Yeah, exactly. It's You can get someone that brings you something for probably the same-ish price. 
and that's that's a lot of where I uh, struggle with the whole Puyi RV to Colorado uh, conversation, which for the record there hasn't been a lot of. But anytime somebody's names come uh, comes up into trade uh, negotiations and trade discussions, and it's the summertime, it's like, well, how would this work out? Does this fit? Does this make sense? Uh, I don't think it does for Colorado. Uh, they don't really have the space for it. You know, a, a team that that would make a lot of sense for is somebody like Buffalo. Sure. Where they're dying for help at forward. They they need something. You know, maybe maybe even a team like Minnesota that's trying to get younger and is trying to trying to find talent and remain relevant while the Suter and Parise deals are still going on while Stahl and Koivu are still there. You know, they're, they're obviously older, but they're trying to slip some youth into there and kind of re-energize that franchise. I could see a team like Minnesota trying to take that swing too. They, a team that is in a position to give a player like that, an opportunity in the top six real meaningful ice time, which is another reason why I go back to when we talked about Vancouver attaching like a Lucic deal and, and trying to get him next to that would make a lot of sense because Vancouver's got all kinds of cap space. Yeah. Right. It's if I'm on Edmonton side, I, I certainly think a sweetener to a cap dump type deal is what they should be looking for. Yeah. I'm they're in they're in a strange spot. <laughs> it's weird. It is. Yeah, cuz like they've got to sign Brock Besser uh this summer and I think there's a guy like Besser is more hype than actual production at this point in his career. Yeah. Um this year you know, I think it 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 did turn that way a little bit. <laughs> you know, like a, a solid player but like he's he's got back-to-back 50-point seasons. Uh, has not played 82 games in a year, so that obviously hurts his uh, production and stuff. But I I think that that would be a, a really good situation where they, they could try to get something out of him. But they've already taken on a lot of those guys. You know, Sven Berchi was exactly that kind of guy, like Pooley Yarby, you know, a, a failed first rounder that they kind of just took a flyer on. You know, Ryan Spooner is a guy that's been moved around I, he was on what, like yeah. five teams in the last yeah. like three years? He has bounced all over the place. And that's a guy that, you know, had a 49 point season a couple years ago with Boston. Yeah. He's been all over the place, man. You know, Jake Vertanen is kind of their own Puglia Yarvi and that he's their own reclamation guy as a former top 10 pick that's 22 years old and they're still trying to figure Hasn't it out with him. Put it together, yeah. And I'm always going to love Jake Vertanen just because he and I share the same birthday. So it, it always does seem to come down to that though, right? Every team already has their internal guy that's in the same spot that pool party is. Right. Like everybody's got, you know, Colorado's got Tyson Jost. Yeah. So Calgary has Sam Bennett. How many, how many teams have the room for another one on top of the guy they're already working on? And it's just not that many. I think another uh, another one of these is LA. Yeah, LA I think is definitely a good target for sure. You know, they they need uh, all kinds of youth. Yeah, it's it the rebuild is happening in LA as far as I'm concerned. It's it's time for them to 
to do the thing. And, and that's exactly the type of team where you're going to have roster spots that you need to fill. And, and taking a shot on this guy has the potential to reward you hugely. Yep. And we saw them do a little bit of that last year. Uh, you know, they, they claimed uh, Leipzig. They traded for Carl Grundstrom, who just was, he was getting pushed out in Toronto. They just didn't have room for him. Um, they started gobbling up on the, some of that young talent that, you know, may not have the highest upside, but you might be able to squeak NHL players out of. And it's weird to, to sit here and think that Colorado's not in that position anymore. It's kind of nice, isn't it? <laughs> that it's not like a, it's not like a, they need to do this. You right. know, it's, or this makes all the sense in the world. They've got space. Why not give it a whirl? You know, they're, they're in a place now where they're trying to take a step forward. And that's hard to do if you're like, oh, well, let's just take a chance on this guy and just hope that this magically works. Yeah, it's. Because a lot of times when you're talking about failed prospects like this, like you are talking about fairy dust. How many of these guys, I mean, how many of these reclamation projects across the league, not even just here in Colorado, but across the league, how many actually have turned out into anything? Right. How many guys go somewhere else and actually burn the other team? For, for being like, oh, shouldn't have given up on him. <laughs> it, it certainly isn't many. It's, you know, it, like a, a guy like Tyler Sagan was at least still really productive. Yeah. In Boston before he got moved. And then obviously he went to a different level after that. But no surprise there. He wasn't their third line center anymore. <laughs> right. Boston knew they were giving up something there of, of value. And with pool party, it's. It's tough. It, I what I like to do for the Evs is, is take a look at Patrick Nemeth, who I think we're all assuming that the Avs won't have room for him in the yeah. coming season. And you you look at Patrick Nemeth and you say Patrick Nemeth is an NHL defenseman. I think that's perfectly fair to say. Is he an NHL defenseman on a cup contending roster? I don't know. I think maybe he's a number seven on a team like that. And that's where players like Pool Party sit as well. Teams that want to get into the contending picture don't have the space to give those guys the opportunity they need to potentially become what they would want them to be. Yeah. You know, this works a lot better if you just develop your kids properly. <laughs> that, it Wouldn't it be nice if it was that easy? Right. Just be like, all right, we're going to draft this guy. We're going to put him on a path that makes perfect sense. And it's all going to go really well. And that'll be that. And there you go. Then you build an NHL contender without having to do trades. But if only. <laughs> all right. Let's call this one a day. Eh? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I think it was good. I think I thoroughly convinced myself that pool party is off limits. Yeah, I think uh, we're going to get into some more of these things tomorrow. We're going to focus on more of like an NHL rumor roundup uh, where we there's lots starting to fly out around the league. You know, the draft is just a week away now, uh, a little over a week away now, and uh, things are starting to come out. You know, Gostaspare might be on the move. Montreal starting to get antsy. They've got cap space and they need a lot of help. You know, they missed the postseason just barely, so... Lots of things are starting to, lots of, lots of stones are starting to get turned over here. 
this is going to be interesting stuff. Um, we're going to get into a lot of more of that tomorrow. I thought today was appropriate to talk about Pooley Yarby just because he's in such an interesting situation. Um, high profile prospects like this top five picks that don't make it through their ELCs without looking like they're already on the outs. They're not common. And it's, it's always, it's always an interesting situation because you're talking about a guy that just not that long ago was a top five pick in the draft, like major potential. And now you just kind of shake your head at it. So, um, yeah. Any any final thoughts today on uh, Puliyarvi, the Oilers, the Avs development? Any of this? Uh, use pool party as a warning. The Avs have the fourth overall pick this year. Don't miss. There you go. <laughs> Don't miss. It's a good way to wrap it up. This is the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. We will see you guys tomorrow. Are you thinking about selling your house, but it's not in tip-top condition? How do you ensure you'll maximize your profit? If your house is in need of an upgrade, Houselift can assist in eliminating all the stress of the remodeling process while matching the current trends that buyers most desire. And get this, there are zero upfront costs from you, the homeowner. That's right, you won't pay for any of the upfront costs for the remodel until your house closes. Houselift will handle everything, from the contractors to the design, while managing these costs, here's what you need to do. Head to their website or Facebook page, both at houselift.colorado.com, and check out the incredible remodels Houselift has done for homeowners here in the metro area. In past jobs, Houselift has put anywhere from 15 to 60 k more in their clients' pockets. Call 303-885-7888 today and find out what Houselift can do for you. Oh yeah, if you hire one of Houselift's preferred realtors, they will sell your home without charging a listing commission. Dear sports fans, elevate your game to the next level with a Toyota truck. Drive the crowd favorite Tacoma. This versatile playmaker is ready to own the weekend. Choose the tailgating MVP, the Toyota Tundra. This is one vehicle that comes up clutch. Or ride in the adventurous 4Runner, a true champion on and off the road. Whichever truck you choose, you're getting a real winner. Come join the team of champions, Toyota Trucks. Visit toyota.com to learn more or check out your local Toyota dealership today. Toyota, let's go places.